Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Monday, November the 23rd of 2020. What an exciting week that we have ahead of us as we, this is Thanksgiving week, a time uh, to be grateful, a time to remember all the blessings of God. And uh, we are excited today about the beginning of this week as we get ready to get into our study of the word, to see it in a prophetic manner. We'd like to take the time to welcome all of our listeners, wherever you're tuning in from. We are so glad to have you with us and that we're able to fellowship in the word, especially in such a time like this. And we welcome you, whether you've been with us from the beginning, whether in the last few months, the last few weeks, the last few days, or maybe this may be your first time tuning in, we are so grateful, and we know that it is only the Holy Spirit that is drawing people in, those that are hungry, those that are hungry for God, and those that have questions. And and we thank God for these podcasts that um, are here to be able to answer some of those questions that you may be having in your heart. Uh, we'd like to also um, encourage you, encourage you if these podcasts are being a blessing to your life, to share them with others, to share them with those that God places in your heart as you see what we're teaching and the perspective that we're giving. Uh, you know, this is this perspective that we're bringing is not ours. It's in the Word of God. We are searching the Scriptures. We are comparing Scripture with Scriptures. And clearly God is speaking to us in these times through His Word. So if you can, tell others, as Brother Marty always says, we're not trying to build here an audience. We're not trying here to take your money, ask you for money. We just simply want to spread the word of God, the warning, encourage, exhort the people of God. So today in our panel, we have uh, Brother Marty joining us and Brother Fernando. And as always, it is a pleasure to be able to come together and study the word together. So Brother Marty, at the beginning of this week, we'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to start another week. Uh, I hope you had a good weekend, those of you who are tuning in after your weekend. Uh, as Brother Jeremy said, this is Thanksgiving week, and we're looking forward to uh, spending time with our families and uh, breaking the rules and gathering in 250 or more in our Thanksgiving feast, <laughs> just to make the devil mad. Amen. I'm going to have some turkey without my mask on, so that'll really make uh, some governors mad, but uh, it's all right. <laughs> so I want to just uh, share this week. Uh, I'll let you know, like Brother Jeremy said, if you you're blessed by these podcasts go ahead and share them with others especially as we are closing in on some very very important days here in this country uh if you subscribe uh on itunes uh it helps as well with the, with the algorithms anyone searching for uh, biblical prophecy or anything that has to do with bible uh the more subscribers we have the more uh the algorithm will, will, will at least bring us uh you know in, in before the person who might be searching and uh and let the lord uh you know, bless them, we pray. Uh, also, we want to announce that on Thursday is Thanksgiving Day, as everybody knows. And uh, we're going to take uh, both Thursday and Friday off. 
so we can spend time with our families. Uh, so Wednesday will be a special uh, Thanksgiving uh, kind of podcast message uh, the Lord's put in our hearts. And so that'll be our uh, our effort uh, for this week. We've been going at it pretty hard for the last almost nine months now. And so we, we beg your uh, your consideration as we take a couple days off to be with our families and, and to really reflect. Of course, I also want to put out there that uh, if something dramatic happens, which it could very well, uh, we'll be right back on the air. Amen. So we'll, we'll, we'll come right back on the air and, and we won't we won't get off the wall, so to speak. But that's really what we are. That's what we're being called to all of us really at these times is is to be uh, that's all we are really you know is is trying to be watchmen on the wall and and looking into the distance and and see uh, what we see and and try to tell you what it is that we see and so we're looking forward to today's podcast and uh, these next three days we pray that uh, will be a great blessing to you <clears throat> and I'm looking forward to Wednesday's uh, podcast as well as the Lord has given us some things to to share. Uh, and to be thankful for, and so we we encourage you to uh, to settle in and enjoy this week with your families as we reflect on the great things that God has done, is doing, and of course uh, is soon to do with the second coming of the Lord. So as we begin today, I'm going to ask Brother Jeremy if he wouldn't mind uh, beginning our study um, uh, from the Gospel of Saint Luke. We'll be in chapter two today. And we'll be reading verse 25 and 26, and then we'll discuss it as we go forward. So grab your Bible and and spend these next few moments with us, we pray, and, and be encouraged by, by the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Brother Jeremy, would you get us started today, please? Amen. And that's verse 25 and 26. Correct. Amen. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Praise the Lord. It was revealed unto him by the Holy Spirit. Today's podcast... uh will be called uh, there was a man named Simeon there was a man named Simeon you know those of you who have been uh, studying with us over the last several months you you've become familiar with the biblical principle of the Lord's word which is found in in the book of the prophet Isaiah chapter 46 verse 10 where it says there that <clears throat> it's a biblical principle of interpretation really it says that the Lord declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. You know, uh, we, we've entered now into some very volatile and uncertain times. Uh, you know, that goes without saying, really. But I've been really sensing in my time uh, of reflection on a daily basis, really, and throughout the day, I can sense that there's many growing, uh, increasingly uncertain within the the church and amongst the brethren. You know, there's forces at work that are continually uh, moving to keep the people, the nation as a whole, and really the whole world, in a real state of unease. And that produces a great fatigue 
you know, a, a tiredness, a, a, an uncertainty that I sense growing in people's lives. And, and, and one of the things that we need to really understand about that is that, that this is a spiritual warfare. It's not just events, as we've been talking, that, that are random, but they are, in fact, connected and being driven uh, by spiritual forces, just like Paul told us. You know, that what we are wrestling against, it's it's not natural. It's not flesh and blood. It's not even the people that are enacting policies or the crazy events that we see happening. He said that we're dealing with principalities and powers, with the rulers of the darkness of this world, and with spiritual wickedness in high places. And he goes on to tell us that's why we need the whole armor of God. So it's vital to remind each other that, that what we're going through it is spiritual warfare and it's designed to keep our mind unsettled and to to more than just be tired physically if you're not careful cause you and me to be uh spiritually fatigued and remember what we covered last week in our series called the snare and we encourage you to go listen to that if you haven't listened to it already but but in that, in Luke 21, verse 34, he, he cautioned uh, the end-time church to be aware, uh, first and foremost, he said uh, that, that we would, we would uh, guard ourselves uh, both mentally and emotionally uh, in order that our spirit wouldn't be overcharged or burdened down. And, and really, that, that reveals to us the perspective of how warfare is to be engaged in. For the people in the world, what we're talking about makes absolutely no sense. For the people in the church, if there's those that are just absolutely asleep and have no clue what's going on and, and really don't even care to. And then there's those who are attempting to truly pursue God at a deeper level, especially now as we are witnessing what we are witnessing transpire around the world. But with that in mind, we need to understand that it is a very... Uh, subtle thing that can happen without note that in our you know offensive not offensive not offensive but offensive actions in the spirit if if what we are doing while we are engaged in these times is being driven by energy of of simply the soul or or an act of the will you will run out of strength because all spiritual warfare must flow from within the depth of our spirit where the Holy Spirit is. And if we are expending energy purely on, uh, you know, will or emotion or thought apart from spirit, then we will fail or we will grow weary and we will grow tired. Our hearts become overcharged. That's what Jesus said in Luke 21:34. And so we need to guard ourselves against that. And there's only one way to do that. And that is through a a a, a merging together not soul controlled but spirit controlled which affects the mind. That's one of the reasons that Paul talked about in Romans chapter 12 where he talked about that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so it is a very subtle thing, and it's not our subject today, but I just want to encourage you that, you know, that may 
you know, to, to recharge the spirit is to, is to place the word in your heart and to, with prayer, by the Holy Spirit and his complete and total assistance, that we will come to that place of strength so that even when we are weak, we can say like Paul tried to reveal to us, Apostle Paul, when he said, when we are weak, he is strong. And then I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is Christ who strengthens us. It is the Spirit who strengthens us. In the book of Jude, Jude himself revealed that we are to build up ourselves in our most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Spirit. So there are many tools that have been given to us for this battle that we find ourselves in, and we need to make ourselves available of those tools. Like we said earlier, Paul gives us a list of of armor to wear to deflect the spiritual blows that come our way, many of which are imperceptible. Remember, we are living in a spiritual war. And so what comes at us is not going to be discerned by the flesh or by the soul exclusively. It has to be uh, understood and resisted from the perspective of the spirit. And in order to do that, we must be built up. We must strengthen ourselves. We must have the capacity like King David did, where it is said of him when everyone was <laughs> abandoning him and they had burned down his city called Ziklag, that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And 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 you can't do that if you've never spent time with the Lord. So, you know, we encourage you to to, to focus on things that are spiritual. Because that is where our strength is. You know, <clears throat> when when you when you walk with the Lord over time and you place into practice these things that we that we try to share with you, these are things that we've learned ourselves. And and are, have we perfected the art of it? No, but we we become quicker at recognizing uh, when we have imperceptibly crossed over into that place where we're no longer relying upon the strength of the spirit but in our own well-intentioned spiritual effort. Uh, but it will run out of strength. So the fact that you feel tired or the fact that you might be overwhelmed at times, that isn't an indication that you've declined in any way. It just means that you're beginning more and more to perceive the warfare that's around you. Now, the crucial moment is when we decide what to do with that awareness. And how we react precisely in those moments is vital. It may be simply a, a whisper from the from the deepest part of us, dear Lord, help me. It may be understanding the, the scriptures that, that merge together soul and spirit, where in Isaiah he said, uh, thou shalt keep them in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on thee, that soul, and then spirit, because they trust in thee. So the two go hand in hand, and, and uh, in many ways, it kind of leads into what, what we wanted to discuss today, because our focus really is on the signs of the times, and you know, and the soon and imminent return we believe of the Lord Jesus Christ. And with that in mind, it compels us to examine uh, what we can learn uh, from His first appearance, how He first came to the earth. Because as we quoted that scripture from Isaiah 46.10, it talks about declaring the end from the beginning. 
And so there are many things that we can learn from what happened when the Lord first appeared that would begin to alert us and give us a familiarity of how conditions will repeat themselves just prior to the second coming. And we believe that that we are entering those days right now. So there are many uh, in, in that examination of his first appearance that we could look at, right? Many were involved who knew in advance that the Lord was going to come. And it's going to be the same with us now. You know, I think about Zechariah and Elizabeth uh, or, or the Magi or the shepherds in the field, right? Uh, or the widow, Anna, uh, in the same second chapter she she's discussed. All of them we could look at, but today we're going to look at Simeon because there's something really cool and unique about what what was going on in his personal life. And, and, and we want to learn from that as we continue to live out these days uh, of, of the great uh, global reset and the return of the king, really, because we, we know that these times are dictating to us that Jesus is coming soon. So we're going to look at Simeon today for a few moments. And I'm going to ask Brother Jeremy if, if he would again read to us uh, the 25th verse as we begin our discussion at length. And brothers, jump in at any time as we get into this, this, this discussion for the next few moments. Brother Jeremy, could you read verse 25 again, please? Amen. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Amen. The Holy Spirit was upon him. So one of the things that our attention is drawn to in verse 25 is where the Holy Spirit is residing. Upon whom? And in verse 25, we're given a whole list of things. And, and, and also there's a lot packed into that verse that if we look at it and allow the Spirit of God to reveal some interesting things to us, it will again uh, cause us to have the kind of information we need uh, to understand how we're to conduct ourselves right now, not in the future, but right now, as well as, um, you know, learn some things about the kinds of, um, you know, uh, what was actually happening in his day that are strikingly similar to our day. The, the, the first thing that I noticed there is in verse 25 is, is the Holy Spirit directs our attention by saying, and behold, so he wants us to understand, whenever you read that in the scripture, by the way, behold, or, you know, words like that, you know, pause, because understand what the, you know, what he's trying to say is take note here. Don't just casually look at what you're about to read, but really hone in and focus uh, on what is about to be said here. Now, there's several things that we'll get into here in a second, but but one of them is verse 26, where where what was revealed. Can you read verse 26 to us, Brother Jeremy? I don't want to jump apart too head, but I, I just kind of want to throw it in there for our discussion here. Verse 26. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So with that principle of declaring the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, Simeon, in many sense, represents a church at the end time that will have something specifically revealed to it. What Simeon had revealed to him was that he would not die until he sees the Lord or the Lord's Christ. This is a foreshadow of the end time church. And what the Holy Spirit is saying here 
is that the end time church itself also will have a revelation of something magnificent. And that is that the Lord is eminent and that this generation uh, of that time, which we believe is our time, will begin to know more and more revealed by the Holy Spirit just what is promised here. They are not going to die. The Lord is coming. So we'll get into that in a second. Let's go over here and check this out, what leads up to that revelation. Because what we see drawn our attention to here is, is behold, like we said in verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Now let's just break that down. Notice first and foremost that it's not a whole multitude of people that our attention is being drawn to here. There's a, there's a particular person, and really it represents a remnant, right? Because the whole city was filled with pilgrims, and, and they're in the temple and all this kind of stuff. You know, there, there's thousands of people living out their lives at these particular prophetic times that he found himself in. But by identifying a single person, as he does in many of the stories when Jesus first appeared, it, it, it reveals to us that that the information that's about to be revealed or or described as being revealed is not going to be made open to just anybody, but it's going to be information that is revealed specifically to a remnant at the end of time who meets the qualification. And that's what we're going to look at in a second here is the qualifications that brought this kind of information. And like we just read in verse 26, the information that was given was that he wasn't going to see death until he had seen the Lord. There is a generation that the Bible speaks of that will not pass away. So all things be fulfilled. And Paul later, and we'll look at it in a second here, revealed that as well in Thessalonica, right? He said, we shall not all sleep. You know, we shall not prevent them who have died, but we will be caught up together with them in the clouds. The dead in Christ will rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord. So what Paul was saying was that there would be a generation in the future that would not die. Much like Simeon, they too would see the Lord. And they would not die. Simeon, of course, would die, but he's a foreshadow. Understand, he's a picture of an end time generation so let's take a look at this you know so again he's he's a man he's drawing our attention to the to the small number uh that that has certain things revealed to it and then it says very interestingly so it says uh he's a man in jerusalem which i find very fascinating because when you begin to really meditate this out uh as to the conditions that he found himself in it's very similar to our time. And let's just take a look at this because he's a man in Jerusalem is very revealing. What do we know about Jerusalem of his time, right? I mean, uh, we have a well-entrenched religious system, the establishment in Jerusalem, uh, a ruling religious elite. It is a religious elite that is politically aligned as well, right? Um, and it was under the domination of a global state, the Roman Empire. We also know that it was controlled, that is, 
Jerusalem itself and the whole religious system. It was controlled by Annas and Caiaphas. It was like a family business. <laughs> and uh, and we know from history that that's indeed what it became, right? Because Jesus would later, when he would show up uh, about 30 years later and come into that temple, he would literally cleanse the house and, and, and declare that they had turned the house of God into a den of thieves, right? They had turned it into a corporate merchandising scheme. They used uh, the establishment and, and Jerusalem as, as a money-making operation for themselves. And so we see a whole bunch of very similar uh, conditions taking place in Simeon's day that we now see in full flight in our own day. There is a highly entrenched religious establishment right now, especially here in America. And they, they, they are indeed politically aligned and have tried to be, especially in earnest over the last four years. But, uh, and, and, and at the same time, we see a global state emerging and arising in our time, just much uh, like it was in Simeon's time. Now, why am I pointing this out? And why do I think the Holy Spirit pointed it out? Because he draws our attention uh, with these conditions, and jump in any time, brothers, he draws our attention with these conditions in order to, to give even more impact because he identifies who the man is and what his name is. His name is Simeon. We know that his name Simeon literally means hearkening or to hear, but it also means to have the power to hear. So we can break those things down and, and discuss them here in a minute, but laying out the, the 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 background of Jerusalem, the fact that he identifies a remnant represented by Simeon, a man, a single man, in Jerusalem whose name is one who can hear. So what that tells us, based on the things we were just kind of, you know, throwing out there about the description of Jerusalem, is that the very uh, environment, you know, that he finds himself in and all that's taking place in the culture and in, in the world at large produced within himself a recognition. I don't think his name is Simeon by any accident. What we are learning is that is that what this is foreshadowing or what this was predicting for a far-flung future church at the end who would be like Simeon is that we would understand by the time by the things that we see both in, in the religious establishment and in the political environment of the cultural uh, times that we find ourselves in, and that those serve to uh, alert us and cause us to become a hearing church. That is why the Holy Spirit identifies it as a man and then where he's located, and then he mentions his name because he's trying to teach us something. He didn't say, behold, Simeon, a man in Jerusalem. He said it the opposite. He said he's a man, where he's located, and then what his name is, precisely because he's trying to give us hints as to the kind of uh, church that will be alive in the end of times. It is the environment itself. Up on, Now, remember, Simeon's living in prophetic times, right? Jesus has just been born. So... He's living at the time of prophetic fulfillment, and the Holy Spirit draws our attention to his precise location and, and also draws our attention to the, to, the, to the amount of few people who actually understood what was going on 
represented by the single identification of this man, and what his name is, is the third thing mentioned. Because he's trying to tell us that, one, if we'll look at this in retrospect like we're doing this morning, and we begin to deconstruct the actual historical time, that it should alert us to begin to pay attention to those times and understand that there will be those at these particular times that will be able to hear exactly what the Holy Spirit is saying. Now listen, he hearkens, which means that, that, that the times are speaking to him. And I wonder in the church today, because we really do see quite a difference, striking difference between those who hear and those who don't. There are those that you might know uh, who you try to share with them all the things that you see taking place around you and you try to tell them, but it's almost like you're talking to, <laughs> you know, you know, a, a wall. I mean, it's not, I'm talking about believers now. They, they just don't get it. They're more concerned, like Jesus said, what we looked at last week in Luke 24, uh, in Luke 21, verse 20, uh, 34, I'm sorry, uh, where he said that they would be overcome with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life so that day comes upon them unaware. That, that's really what we're seeing here. Simeon was not one given to surveying drunkenness and the cares of this life. He's a tent. He's recognizing the times. He's able to hear. Then he takes us in to the next thing, which is verse uh, in verse 25. He identifies three things because at the end of verse 25, he says the Holy Spirit is upon him. And the three things he talks about there he first says he's just, it then says he's devout, and it says what? He's waiting for what? The consolation of Israel. Having those three things in him produced the Holy Spirit being upon him. And those three things, being just, devout, and waiting for Messiah, produced another component of what his name means, which is to have the power to hear. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road when it comes to personal walk before God. Because just and devout are the two personality, both soul and spirit qualities that he possessed and waiting that gave him the power to hear. One of the most difficult things that, that the church is finding itself in right now is that they don't really understand what's happening. They can't see it and they can't hear it. They don't recognize it. And in many circles, there's a frustration. And so they run to this false prophet or that false prophet, or they're trying to link themselves to any kind of vision or dream or whatever might be coming down their way, looking for some sort of compass to bring a sense of knowing as to the times, but their their lives are not lining up with the very uh, you know uh, qualifications that the Holy Spirit reveals here that would bring the Holy Spirit upon their lives. Notice in verse twenty six, it says it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. So first, we're told about his qualities. We're told about what is flowing in his life. It attracts the Holy Spirit to him. 
it rests he rests upon him and then he reveals to him do you see that brothers yes just devout mm-hmm. then just the revelation devout waiting yeah then the holy spirit comes upon him once the holy spirit comes upon him verse 26 revelation is given to him but these qualities must be resident within the life of the believer especially up under prophetic times if you expect to receive the guidance and revelation of the spirit without it you're not going <laughs> we're not i'm not saying you I mean, we're not going to be able to hear so why are you sharing this at length you know, you know what brother marty um I'll say this, like the beautiful uh, process there. He was just devout waiting. The Holy Spirit came and the revelation came. Uh, we're talking about why certain white Christians can't hear the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was a young man and and, and I go to, you know, when I got saved, I got radically, radically saved. I go to the front of the church, man, and sit down to listen <laughs> to the preacher. <laughs> You know, yeah. my back wasn't on the chair. I was on the edge of my seat with my Bible out. I was a fresh Christian, didn't know anything. It's coming from the streets, drugs and alcohol, you name it. I had my little highlighter out all the time. And when preachers would say things like that, like the kind of nuggets that, that that the Holy Spirit is showing us today concerning, you know, uh, Simeon and how he's a type of the end-time believer and that we are supposed to, you know, uh, exhibit this kind of attitude that he had yeah right yeah. i would get my highlighter and i begin to like mark those words down you know i i didn't know it then the holy spirit was teaching me how to listen good yeah right? exactly and, and 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 i didn't know that that's how he was going to teach me along the way and it's 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 where it starts you know you have to incline your ears sometimes not just listening to the preacher like incline your bend your ear get closer mm. listen yeah. like if you're just like again you, let's reiterate if you just listen, listen to this podcast for information or cool revelation but you're not bending your ear inclining your ear to the revelation of the lord yeah then all it won't penetrate you won't be changed into the image of, of our Lord. It, mm-hmm. It'll just be a mind thing, a mental thing, right? Right. And, and that's where it stops for many. It doesn't go into the heart. And that's why you see the unpreparedness. You see the relaxed state. You see, you know, the people are not waiting. Mm-hmm. They're not waiting. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. And, yeah. Uh, go ahead, brothers. No, and and also uh, in, in reading the the characteristics that he has, what the Bible says, just devout, waiting for the consolation. You know, as far as I know, these are all verbs, actions. You know, the the most Christians will look at that word just and just speak about him in position. Well, yeah, he's just in Christ. No, no, he was a man. Just also gives the idea of a man observing divine law. Right when you look into the keeping the commands of God, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. So this was a man that was uh, 
was described by the way he lived. And and I think that's what makes it that's what makes it so powerful, brother, and, and encouraging to us. Because as we were just talking about the Holy Spirit uh, drawing our attention to Jerusalem, we know the condition of Jerusalem at that time, very prophetic, just about 40 years away from being destroyed, you know, a foreshadow of the wrath of God that would come. And, And the rise of the global state headed by the cult of the Caesars, all of this is up under Antichrist like spirit and foreshadows of the end-time ultimate fulfillment of that Antichrist global state system, coupled with a false church, right? Because that's what Simeon found himself surrounded by. And so that brings us uh, an intense, and you know, a revelation of the times when we look at history, but also what you're talking about there is so very important, is that what we have revealed to us is that it is possible in this kind of an environment to live the way Simeon lived. We stand as a testimony should we allow the Holy Spirit to bring us to this kind of a level. We stand as a testimony and a rejection of of the spirit of the age, of the zeitgeist, as they like to say nowadays, the spirit of the age. Simeon was a, a was a complete the complete opposite of of, of what was the, the reality on the ground, as they say. And, and and the sheer force of his ability to keep himself in in the oh man, to keep himself in this environment, it yes. drew the Holy Spirit to him. The Lord goes and will rest upon this end time church. He's coming and he wants to reveal the times and, and like each one of you said, let's look at the first one, right? Uh the first just. characteristic is just, right? Which which means equitable. It means his character and his actions, just like you said, a verb. It also means uh, he treated everyone fairly. He was good to every person. He treated all men equally. He didn't prefer one above another. It was a part of his quality as a man of God in character, and in action. The second thing was devout, which is what you were talking about, which means to be circumspect, to be a man reverencing God, to be pious and and religious, not in the bad sense, but in the sense of obeying the commandments of God. And, and then the, and the third thing then is waiting. And that word waiting literally means to have endurance to await with confidence or patience and also in expectation of the fulfillment of promises. That's good. We could could spend a whole week just on on that, you know, alone. But, you know, today we're just going to do a single podcast, Lord willing. But but I find it incredibly fascinating that 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 is, it is then that we have the final part told us which is the Holy Spirit is upon him. So yes. while we see we see the, the verb that you're talking about, action, we also see the components necessary for the end-time church. Mm-hmm. This waiting component indicates endurance. Yes. We know that, the right? Patience. We know that, yes, but endurance. That is what the Lord said, right? He said that he that endures... 
till the end shall be saved. And so we're talking about all three components. What's fascinating to me is 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 the intensity of the descriptive quality of personality. A lot of fancy words there. But the intensity and the ability to maintain your walk in the kind of history that he found himself in. He was also older. We know from church history, he's he's on his last leg, so to speak. That's that endurance component uh, that we see there. But what he's waiting for is the key, right? Uh, The consolation. uh, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, I I think it's very interesting because as Jesus points out, uh, that the day, the last day shall be like the days of Noah. You're speaking about living a righteous life in the midst of a wicked generation that we live in. The same could be said of Noah. You know, we all know what the Bible said about that generation, right? That every imagination of the thought of his heart was only to do evil. But look what it says here, because it goes in line to how God, how it is described of the character of Simeon. Look what it says about Noah. First, it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then it says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. We're talking about a span of about almost 100 years, the way this man walked before God. Similar, you compare it to Simeon, what we're speaking about. And you made me think about that as as you were speaking, mm-hmm. Marty. Very but good. But it's interesting. Just man, perfect, and walk with God. Amen. And, and uh, again, uh, in connection with that, the the thing that he's waiting for, right, is is the consolation of Israel, the Messiah, the first coming of the Lord. Subsequently, the church at the end of time will be waiting for the second coming of the Lord. And and then the revelation is given to him by the Spirit with those with those components flowing in his life. Endurance, reverence for God, a decent to all men, <laughs> you know, just uh, uh, and somebody waiting. And then you, you talked about the Noah component. From the perspective of the world, it was only Noah and a few, right? It, uh, that is eight souls, we're saying. But in this sense, I think that that the Holy Spirit draws our attention to Jerusalem as well because he wants to identify to us that within the establishment itself, within what is purported to be the church of his time, there was only a few who had these qualities. And though they, they, they had the Sanhedrin, the scribes, the Pharisees, the priests, the lawyers, and not to mention the thousands and tens of thousands of, of pilgrims that would come and go into the Jerusalem setting. It was only an Anna and a Simeon. It was only a group of shepherds. It was a Mary and a Joseph, a Zechariah and an Elizabeth. The handful that had revealed to them that Christ was coming. And, and, and so we learned from that as well in our time that it will be very few that recognize the signs. And this is fascinating to me because, like we've talked about before, when I was little uh, and and read The Late Great Planet Earth, I always go back to that book because it was the first book that actually alerted me to the fact that there is a second coming. 
And I remember when I used to read that and read that over and over uh, when I was 14 years old, I used to ask myself and wonder many times, how is it that these signs and, and these uh, events that the Bible is predicting through the Holy Prophets could actually come upon the final generation, and yet only a few would see it. It would seem obvious that we were living in times that that declared by reason of the times themselves that we had entered into times that were so dangerous and so volatile as to, you would think, produce within the hearts of men a great turning toward God. But But the fact of the matter is, is the opposite is the case. And we see that revealed in the first coming of the Lord, in that it was always just a few, always just a handful. And so we draw strength from the fact, and what we're trying to do is navigate ourselves and our families and loved ones through these times. And so we draw strength from uh, looking at the at the quality, like Brother Fernando was just saying, the bending of the ear toward the voice of the Spirit and the hearkening, because that's what Simeon means. To hearken to something is to first hear something. It's not it's not a, a an abiding singular, always have my ear open kind of thing he's trying to describe by using the name Simeon. It's a hearkening. That is that's like past tense. In other words, it's the effect of a voice that is signaling something to you. And he's able to hear it and respond in kind. It's one thing to hear. It's another thing to hear and respond. And that is why we see the hearing and the responding is manifested in in being just, devout, and waiting. And so what he hears produced within in, in him an expectation that the coming of the Messiah was at hand. And when he reached that point, of, of of truly allowing that to filter down into his devout life and that he practiced and, and truly ignite within him an expectation of the coming of the Messiah. When that became a true reality beyond what you were just talking about earlier, Brother Fernando or Brother Jeremy or both of you, which goes beyond just mere information or the tickling of the ears of some sort of cool revelation, but when it transcends that or, or and filters into the heart like it did with Simeon, that is when we see the Holy Spirit come upon him. And it will be that way now in our time. The Holy Spirit even now is doing that. He's waking up people all over the planet. Our brothers and sisters around the world know those who are with the Lord, those who are seeking him, those who are attempting to walk before him, those who have a sense beyond just a curious mental assent that the coming of the Lord is indeed at hand. And the signs themselves are dictating to us that we pay attention, that's the hearkening, and then receive it into ourselves. It's one thing to see, it's one thing to hear, it's another thing to be absolutely convinced that the times are at hand. And I suppose as we go forward in the days ahead, that's going to be the very thing that you're, you and I are going to have to really settle in on. Again, as we've been hammering away and hammering away and hammering away for months and months now, and like we've been saying, what we are experiencing on a very large scale and, and in the different spheres of influence that each and every one of us has uniquely 
is is the interesting uh you know observance that no matter what we seem to be going through right now it is still yet a very few that can really wrap their head around those in the church now we're not talking about the world within the church who have heard the prophecies who have heard the stories who have heard the messages for years yet there is still something preventing them from really embracing what the Bible seems to be revealing in our times, and that is the second coming of the Lord is at hand, and that everything that has been predicted is now unfolding before our very eyes. And so there's many in different places of that revelation or understanding. Many are still in shock, kind of like bludgeoned around, like the fighter who gets bludgeoned from pillar to post, right? He's up against the ropes, and he's just getting pounded on. And so he kind of, the bell rings and he kind of like, you know, stumbles back to his corner, uh, not really realizing what just happened. I mean, there's a lot of people like that. They're just stumbling around, not really got their bearings because they've been so overwhelmed by the events of this year. And then there's those that are waking up and going, now, wait a minute. I mean, this can't just be. I mean, this is just craziness what we see going on. And so they're beginning to search. And then there's those who God has had for many years now shut away with him. And suddenly everything that that they have always been uh, sensing was coming is now manifesting in our times. And so there's a there's a panoply, a whole, you know, uh, you know, bunch of people reacting in many different ways. But what we're being admonished to do now by the scriptures is to search for the path that brings the spirits residing upon our families, our lives, our, and, and our communities in order to guide us and lead us through these most turbulent times, these, these rushing rapid waters that we see unfolding before us. And so we could talk at length about being just devout, waiting for the consolation. But let's go on because the Holy Spirit came to rest upon him. And, you know, brothers, what we're talking about here, again, just jump in anytime. What was revealed to Simeon is going to be revealed and is being revealed, in fact, to this end-time church. It's a Simeon-like church. Brother Jeremy, could you read verse 26 again, please? Yes. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. So this speaks to us of a walking with the Spirit. Uh, and, and, and if we're not walking with the Spirit, we won't have any understanding. Brother Jeremy, read John sixteen thirteen to us. Because we see the Spirit at work here in Simeon's life, and so he will be in our life if we're intimate with the Spirit of God. Uh, John sixteen thirteen. Could you read that real quick to us? Yes. How be it, when he, the Spirit of Truth, is come, and he, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He will show you things that are yet to come. That's prophecy. That's revelation, and that is a chief component of what the Lord said that the ministry of the Holy Spirit would be to his church. And so we see that active and a foreshadow in, in Simeon's life in that it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. What was revealed to him? The future. 
he knew, and in his case, which is the same with us, that he would not see death before he saw the Lord. The, and you know what's really interesting, brother? When you look at the word reveal, it has two chief components to it, what Jesus was saying uh, or what the gospel was saying to us. One, it means to utter, to speak, uh, and to speak the to speak as an oracle or to utter oracles. And two, it means to be divinely intimate, which is what Brother Jeremy was talking about, to be consistent and diligent as Noah was. So we see two components in Revelation. What was given to him was a revelation of that he would not see death before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. But also in that word revelation, it it reveals to us, that's what Simeon talked about. He uttered as an oracle. So he not only had revealed to him what was told to him about the coming of the Lord, but that's what he talked about. And 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 this is something that we need to pay attention to. Because when the Spirit of God brings us the revelation, it is it is incumbent upon us to begin to speak to others, that is our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Um, you know, what it is that the Lord is showing. We see that in Anna. Uh she's the next person in the story. We might look at it tomorrow, I don't know, or maybe not. But when she had uh, found the Lord in the temple, um, the Bible tells us that, let's take a look here. In uh, Let's see. When she left the temple after seeing the Lord, let's see. Take a look at that, Brother Jeremy, would you? When she comes in verse... 36, 37. Okay, yeah. Look what she does. Uh, when she sees the Lord, she came by the Spirit. Read 36 through 38, speaking of Anna. Amen. And there, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So check that out. So what we learn from that, what this is referencing is that when Simeon comes by the Spirit into the temple, Jesus is in the temple and he meets Mary and Joseph and he takes the baby up in his arms and begins to proclaim things over the Lord, which we'll look at here in a second. But at that same moment, Anna came by the Spirit uh, and and <laughs> she's called a prophetess. She was led by the Spirit to be precisely where she needed to be at exactly the right time. And there she saw Christ. And what's interesting is that when she leaves the temple, the Bible's very specific about who she shared the revelation that, that Christ had come. And that's verse 38. She coming in an instant gave thanks to the Lord. And listen to what it says. She spoke of him to all them that what? That looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. So the fellowship becomes defined by the Spirit of God. We are going to be 
a fellowship of believers who begins to understand and revelation will be given to others. More insight will be brought. It's going to be give and take, so to speak, because he speaks to his whole church. But the, the information came specifically to the group that was looking for the Messiah. Not everybody's looking for the Messiah, but he's, he's bringing his revelation that way. So it's a beautiful thing to see uh, what the Lord yes. is teaching us here, right? <laughs> can I, can I point something out too? So, yeah, so go ahead. Martin, man. I, yeah. I think it's important because the Bible calls her a prophetess. And, right. and, and so at her... The, the work uh, the, the, what she would what she would do obviously she was foretelling things to come right the future that's prophecy now many people now, now let's get it right though because many people call themselves prophets because they foretell the future but what mm-hmm. separates Anna and I believe the Holy Spirit has it this way is that she's not just someone telling the future what's happening but she is pointing to Jesus. She, she, in her, everything she's doing is pointing to the redemption, right? It's yes. pointing to, to Jesus Christ. Today's prophets are, are, are they just foretell, but they're not pointing you to Jesus. I don't know if that makes right. sense. She's specific. Right. She, she's prophesying, but she's not pointing people onto herself like the prophets today, right? You know, <laughs> but she's pointing them and she's seeking. Where the need is, what you know, those that are looking for him, and I think it's very important, you know, what the Holy Spirit brings out. And again, you see the work of the Spirit in that here's the group of people that are simply identified in verse 38 as the people that are looking for redemption. Well, we already have it revealed to us that two people are carrying that message, right? Already, and so, uh What's beautiful about that to me is that the fact that they're simply looking for redemption, we see the Holy Spirit replicating, uh, you know, it begins to grow, in other words. Um, It it begins with Simeon, it then ends up going to to Hannah, and then it goes to many more people that are actually looking for the Messiah. So God is going to send his information and get it to us one way or another. But the key component is, is that they're looking for the return of the Lord. It is the expectation of the coming of the Messiah. And like you said, Brother Jeremy, very well, the the prophets of today, they don't point people to Jesus. They point people to themselves. And really, they're not prophets. They're they're more like, uh, you know, diviners, you know, the spirit of divination. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, they they might as well just get their 1-800 number and, and, you know, do something stupid like that. But, But my point is this is that, again, we have identified to us that they are looking for redemption. It is the group of people that is searching and sensing that the the Messiah is coming. And so, so again, it was revealed. It is what they spoke. And I like what you pointed out there about Anna again. Um, she goes, uh, oh, golly, it says here in verse 36, that she lived with her husband seven years after her virginity. So if she's just a little girl, and back in the day, they, they averaged around 16 years old when they got married. So let's say she got married at 16, just for the purposes of our reflection here. And she, her husband and her were stayed married for seven years. So let's say she's about 23 or so. He passed away. And from that point on, she serves the Lord in the temple for 84 additional years. So if she's 23 or so, 
she's over a hundred years old. Uh, <laughs> which is which is which makes me think, brother, of what you shared with with us. It, it, now this is going to require spiritual ears, right? But what you just shared about Noah, right? He yeah. was just uh, and about a hundred years go by, right before the flood. Right. Right. If she's a little over a hundred years and then now begins to proclaim that that the Christ has come, right? It is a foreshadow of the end of time. It really is. And that's the we just shared that with you guys for free. So <laughs> <you know. laughs> all right. Now I want to ask the question. Now we're talking about Simeon, right? It was revealed to him that by the Holy Spirit, verse twenty six, he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Well, let's ask the question, how did he know? How did he really know? How did the Holy Spirit reveal these things to him? You know, there there is this that sense of knowing which comes only by an intimate speaking and listening to the Spirit. But remember this, that the that but primarily and, and almost exclusively really, uh, the Spirit speaks by the Word of God. The Spirit speaks by the Word of God. Now, we have a hint in this, in how Simeon knew all that he knew, in what he goes on to say when he comes by the Spirit in verse 27 and he meets Mary and Joseph and Jesus is there. He then takes Jesus in verse 28 into his arms. He blesses God and he says what, Brother Jeremy, verse 29 through 32? Lord. Now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. So if we're not careful, we could just go by that statement and, and not realize how it is that Simeon knew what he knew. What Simeon is doing there when he sees Jesus is, quote, the very passage that deals with the Messiah from the prophet Isaiah. He quotes it on the spot. It doesn't say he ran and got his Bible and said, I mean, I think this looks familiar. I mean, this was flowing out of his heart. <laughs> so he was a man of the word. And he knew precisely what to quote. He knew exactly the time and what to say. Let's take a look at that real quick. In, in Isaiah 49, would you go Jeremy? Because this is what Simeon quoted. This is how we knew, or we have a, a, another a deeper understanding in, in, in many ways of how the Spirit speaks. Simeon recognized what he recognized by the Word of God, and it was the Spirit who revealed what he was reading in the Word was actually coming to pass, and he quoted it. And what does this tell us? For those of you who think we're crazy sometimes by the way we approach the Word, that's not true. We're taking instruction by the spirit it is the spirit that reveals the times and he reveals it through the word and what he reveals will be perfectly applied to the situation for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear the bible says anna came in that very instant she heard simeon quoting isaiah and she recognized it and went and spoke the prophetic time to those who were looking for the messiah in in israel it's a powerful thing that we learn from this so read what he, first of all, uh, he takes him up in his arms. Read to us verse uh, 1 
And then verse 5. Listen, O Isles, unto me, and hearken ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the, bo- from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. Verse 5. And now, saith the Lord, that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And then verse 6. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. That's what Simeon was quoting almost eight, nine hundred years or so after Isaiah wrote it. And he applied, we know that Simeon was reading what we're reading right now. He applied and was very familiar with these passages of the Holy Prophet Scriptures. He understood by the Spirit from reading those scriptures, and it's a powerful thing when you think about it, and quoted it over Jesus. And in the presence of Anna, Mary and Joseph, and and the priests that were performing the eight-day-old circumcision to enter Christ into the covenant of Abraham and and become a Jew, right? So it's powerful to me. But look what he says, because remember what did he do? He took Jesus up in his arms, and began to call him the light. And, 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 and Simeon said, my eyes have seen your salvation. That's what he says here at the, at the Isaiah said in verse 6, right? That thou mayest be my salvation. Simeon was quoting that. He said, I, mine eyes have seen your salvation. It's incredible what he said. But remember, he took the baby in his arms. When you're reading Isaiah 49, you're reading a conversation of the Heavenly Father to the Lord Jesus Christ himself using the prophet Isaiah by the Holy Spirit to write these words down in the Word of God so that eight, nine hundred years later when his son would walk on the face of the earth, he would come across Isaiah 49 and read about himself in the Word. Ah, uh, that's way out there for some of you, but that's that's the word of God. Now look, <laughs> so when Simeon when Simeon picks the baby up out of Mary's arms, the baby's only eight days old, and so that kind of gives new meaning to verse one. Listen, O Isles, unto me, Isaiah forty nine one, and hearken ye people from far. Listen, Simeon picks him up in his arms and begins to preach over him. Right? Listen to what what the Lord says. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother. He hath made mention of my name, the light, the salvation of Israel. That's what, that's what Simeon was proclaiming over the baby who was only eight days old. He was fulfilling scripture in verse one. He was calling him from his mother's womb. He was speaking by the spirit of God. He was proclaiming him as the salvation of Israel. But remember, he also goes on to tell Mary that a sword would pierce her heart and it would be for the rising and falling of many in Israel. 
When you go on into verse 16, which Simeon was familiar with, it is amazing what's revealed there. Let's take a look at that in, in verse 16 through 18 of Isaiah 49. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. The walls are continually before me. Thy children shall make haste. Thy destroyers and they that made thee waste shall go forth of thee. Lift up thy eyes round about and behold. All these gather themselves together and come to thee. As I live, saith the Lord, thou shalt surely clothe thee with them all as with an ornament, ornament and bind them on thee as a bride do it. This is the Lord, the Father, talking to his son and telling him what is going to be the result of his mission upon the earth. This is what Simeon was referring to when he told Mary, a sword is going to pierce your heart. There was so much revelation in what, what, what was being given to Simeon by the Spirit. It was given to him precisely because he was a man of the word and he understood the prophetic times. And, and look what Isaiah reveals here. Uh, and which Simeon would then interpret as a sword in the heart of Mary and the rising and the falling of many uh, uh, in Israel. Look at what we see here. First, what he identifies in Isaiah, what Isaiah is identifying, is the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is it is the Lord himself that is speaking here, the spirit of, of the pre-incarnate Christ, the Lord of hosts, when he says, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. That's the crucifixion he's talking about. So what Isaiah was revealing was there'd be a crucifixion. When he talks about uh, the, thy walls are continually before him, he's revealing Calvary because Christ was crucified on Calvary's hill precisely facing the city of Jerusalem outside the city wall. And so what he was referring to there is what Simeon understood by the Spirit is that a sword would pierce Mary's heart. But the, the, the source of that sword was going to be the crucifixion. He then goes on in verse 17 when he talks about the rising and the falling of many, uh, what Simeon would say. He's, he's quoting from this 49th chapter because he goes on. The father begins to speak in verse 17, speaking of thy children, the children of Israel and the children of Jerusalem, shall make haste. And then it says, your destroyers, and they that made thee waste shall go forth of thee. So he's talking about a scattering. He talks and references the destroyers, which we now know is the Roman Empire. And the walls that he's referring to is, is Jerusalem. So he's predicting here, which is what Simeon was referencing, uh, that, that the, the children would scatter, the destroyers would lay waste the city. and But there would come a time in the future when they would depart. That's what Jesus revealed in Luke 21 when he said the times of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. They will go forth of thee. And then in verse 18, he tells him, lift up your eyes round about and behold. He's in the far-flung future now. This is the, the rising of Israel that, that Simeon referred to. And what Jesus said would be the, the marker of the end of time. He, those children that went away in haste because of the destroyers, the Roman Empire, verse 18, he says, all of these, that is his children, will gather themselves together. In other words, he was predicting they would come back 
and that and that they would return and that spirit of grace and supplication that Zechariah talked about that will open their eyes and what is it that will be the defining thing? They will look upon him whom they pierce. He says they're going to be regathered and they will come to you. Speaking of Jesus. And then he references the resurrection. I live, he says. <laughs> He's alive, says the Lord. And then the father tells him, these people, both Jew and Gentile, because remember that's what Simeon referenced, a light to the Gentiles and the scattering of the Jews and the regathering of the Jews. He said, thou shalt clothe thee with them all, Jew and Gentile who comes to him, and as an ornament you will bind them as a bride. That's the second coming of the Lord. Remember, it was revealed to Simeon. He would not see death. He's a foreshadow of the end-time church. This is the passage that Simeon was quoting. And so when we ask the question, how does he know? <laughs> and, and how did the Spirit reveal all this to him? It was because he was a man of the Word. This is what Simeon saw. The Holy Spirit revealed, and he knew. He knew by the Spirit his time. And you know what, man? <laughs> we have to ask the question, do we? We need to read the Word, right? We need to read the Word. Let's close with this, brother. And say anything you want at any time, please. Uh, in Second Peter, let's turn over there. Any thoughts? No, good, good stuff. Um, it's 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 so needed, brother. Um, you know, it's quite a it's quite a change from <laughs> the snare, right? <laughs> the series on the snare. Yeah, but yeah. It's 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 where you need to start to get to where the Lord wants you. You know, I mean, these are these are foundational teachings that are um, that need to be understood for the growth of the saints. Praise God. At the end of the day, that's that's what God has put us here. You know, yes. Pastor Jeremy, myself, you, is to train up the the people of God in 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 this kind of walk, in, in this kind of lifestyle, and to develop this kind of character that that Simeon had. Um, and, and 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 he was the one, right? That that knew out of all the people that were there in the temple that faithful day. Think about that. Yes. Yes. My God, he was the one right. that knew who the baby was. Hallelujah. Glory he was God. the one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And, and that's that's ultimately that's ultimately what we want is to know the Son. You know, Hallelujah. he's coming. Yeah, when you said uh, he was the one who knew who the baby was, that, you know, speaking in a spiritual sense here now, um, that's interesting because he saw Christ uh, before he was fully grown, right? In many senses, if we look at it from a spiritual point of view, the, the initial revelation of the coming of the Lord will begin right at, it, at its inception for the end-time church. There's yet mm-hmm. some time to go, you know, before all things are fulfilled, but we're going to know it right when it begins. That's what happened with Simeon, right? He knew it when Christ was eight days old, right when he began. Go ahead. Uh, powerful. No, and, <laughs> and so 
this is this is what I believe the people of the Lord need because He is coming forth for a Simeon-like kind of church, right? That that's listening. Um, yes. Right. And and He is a type, right? Uh, yes, He is. Yes. The Bible says, "For well, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive will remain." Shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord forever. So comfort ye one another with these words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we're doing. You know, it's so a, it's powerful. It's all connected. You know, you began the, the podcast uh, really speaking to, to the people about the spiritual warfare that is taking place right now. That is, mm-hmm. you know, in many ways you know, taking our strength and debilitating and, and and really you're also giving the answer right here of how to be able to maintain Amen. yourself, you know? Yeah. By using the example of Simeon. Mm-hmm. Because what the the warfare that we're talking about is so heavy that it can it can make you slumber and, and it would affect your discernment and you'll have the the coming of the Lord or as the as the Pharisees had Christ themselves, the Son of God, right in front of their face, and they could not discern it. They could not realize who was there at the time. And so I think it's very important what we're talking about because it's the only way we're going to make it in this hour. But we have to have it. The only way we're going to be able to recognize the times that we are living is, as he says, he was just devout, waiting for the consolation, Right. And, you know, uh, John talks about that this hope purifies, right? In First John, speaks about the purification of this hope <laughs> that keeps yeah. us on our toes waiting. Mm. That's what he was able to recognize. We're going to have to be the same way. We're going to have to do the same thing or else the slumber is going to come and we're not going to be able to recognize the times. And I'll throw this too. It's... Um, and it's a question that we we've asked ourselves, and we 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 bring it up in conversation a lot. It's it's like, man, you know, even as ministers, sometimes we feel like we might not be getting through to the people because we're speaking what should be, I would say, a basic level, entry level kind of spirituality or, or spiritual talk or, or, or gleaning from the word, and, and you know, in this way, but mm-hmm. the the lack of teaching or true teaching on the body yeah. of Christ, uh, you know, makes us feel this way. Like, you know, we have to start from the, from the bottom, from the ground, you know, and lay groundwork to, to get the people, which tells you how far they, you know, the teachings of today that come, that come from the pulpits in America, they're so carnal. Yes. You know, that the people don't even know how to really uh, discern a, a, a spiritual uh, revelation. And, and we ask ourselves, man, it feels like we're talking to a wall sometimes. And mm-hmm. it, it does feel like that. You know, Simeon is the perfect example of that. It was it was only one man that understood mm-hmm. who the baby was. The question is, is it the same today? Yeah. Has, the, <laughs> has it dwindled down to that many people that really uh, uh. understand? It has, yeah. brother. It's a it's a what? fascinating it's a fascinating point to make because uh, and 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 a really good one if we think about what you're saying because he's in the temple and you said he's the only one who recognized the baby in the temple but think about with with that thought in mind 
you have, I mean, the highest order of scholarship and preacher in the temple. And the only one who knew that Christ was there was one guy, you know, and Anna coming in, you know, so two people, relatively speaking, and Mary and Joseph, right? But think about that. You ask the question, what is it that the people are being taught? They were teaching constantly in the temple, but nobody was looking for the coming of the Lord, only a handful. So that tells us that what they were teaching wasn't what Simeon was quoting, right? <laughs> uh, exactly. They were, that's incredible. You know, exactly. I, 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 so what we're saying also in the flow of that he was, you know, just and and so forth and so on. It's the, the message that emanated out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, right. It, it, it has to be the message that's emanating out of us today. Yeah. And obviously the message that was emanating out of him was 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 personal to him in that, you know, he was the only one that was waiting and talking like that. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, obviously, if, if, if the establishment within the temple was preaching that to the nation, the whole nation would have been there. Right, and they wouldn't have right. suffered the wrath of God, right? <laughs> right. You know, 40 years later. <laughs> and I think it's it's good to, to understand, you know, Paul warned us in, in chapter one of the book of Romans, and this is all connected, and it's that um, we have changed the very image of God into a... Um, uh, into a corruptible image. You get what I'm saying? It, it's not an image that we have or an expectation according to the Word of God, but it's according to the image that's been built in the last 30, 50 years with these preachers, right? That's why there's no expectation of the coming of the Lord. You know, uh, while they say they were waiting, the Pharisees, yet when he appeared, they could not recognize him. What was their yeah. image? What kind of expectation did they have? So I, I think it's something to consider too. Um, that's another, yeah, that's that's another really good point. What kind of expectation did they have? We know from church history that what they were actually looking for was was a mere man who would assume the cape of Superman, if you will, and become a conquering David that would overthrow Roman oppression and institute the glory of Israel upon the earth in the whole sense of a natural kingdom. That was their expectation. And why they didn't recognize it, because even even their teaching about biblical prophecy was off, <laughs> right? right. And so yes. that's a good point. You know, yesterday I, I was sharing this in our Instagram broadcast, and and uh, uh, let me just read a little bit of it because it makes me think of what you guys have been saying. And I said this to me: the most seriously unfortunate reality of our time is found across the landscape of the so-called Christian West. You know, individual relationship with the Lord of the Holy Scriptures has by and large evolved into a religion ritual uh, based service of some sort of concept of God. And truly, they have found themselves completely and totally biblically illiterate. You ask most people and they'll claim some sort of belief in a higher power. You ask the 21st century Christian and they will tell you they believe yet you press them to show you in the Bible what they believe and why they believe it, and they'll become overcome with a blank stare and find themselves at the at best at a loss for words. 
having no clue as to how to support what they claim they believe in the scriptures. This is a crisis, yet it is not of their own making. It is the fruit of the massive failure of the modern minister to preach the true gospel of Jesus Christ and the whole counsel of God as we find it in the scriptures. And so now in... (laughs) In, in the in these most volatile and perilous and tumultuous times when we need understanding and guidance and comfort most, establishment religion and its preachers have been weighed in the balance and completely found wanting. That is why, brothers, what you were just saying, the people, for the for by and large, you know, we're not talking about our audience, you know, at least because uh, we know those of you have been with us, that you, <laughs> it's pretty hardcore Bible study here, right? So, but we're talking about, you know, the mega churches and the, you know, the country club type uh, social gatherings that, 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 that go under the heading of church. They don't know precisely because their leadership um, has led them in these directions. And so what would seem to be foundational, basic understandings in the word of God to us are, in fact, uh, you know, something that they've never even heard, you know, right? <laughs> so, uh, right. So let's 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 close with Second Peter uh, and conclude with Second Peter uh, verse three one through four as as we close it out today. Did you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? Second Peter chapter three, verse yeah, one verse one through four. four. Yeah, Peter leaves us with these words, uh, and they're specifically designed for the end time generation. And this is what he said. Uh, to us, uh, especially in light of, of the coming of the Lord. Can you read it to us, 1 through 4? Yes. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which are spoken before, which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Several things, first and foremost, right? He he talked to us about I, I want to I want to reach to that part of you. Um, and and stir you in the times of the end uh, to to be mindful of the words, verse 2, that were spoken by the Holy Prophet and the commandments of the apostles of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So he's telling us specifically what we are to study in these times. Now, there's a whole host of subjects that we could look at, but the apostle himself directed our attention to the Holy Prophet and to his the, what the apostles wrote. And then he he talked about the pervading attitude would be verse three and four, not of the world, but of the church. That's what he's addressing: these false prophets and these you know these these unstable believers. You know he 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 references Noah in the second chapter. All that stuff he's talking about. But he says, understand that they'll make fun of you. But the truth is, is that they're completely controlled by their own lust. Verse three, right? And and they'll get to the point where they'll they'll say, where's the promise of his coming? Nothing's really changed since the early church. They're completely deceived and completely deluded, but he reaches beyond them to that 
group like Anna went and talked to those who look for redemption in, in Israel or like the Simeon who are waiting for the consolation of Israel. What they both had in common was a familiarity of the of, of, of what the prophets spoke about as it related to the coming of the Lord. In Simeon's case, the foreshadow of the end time church, we know from what Brother Fernando quoted earlier was that we shall not all sleep, but we'll be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Simeon had it revealed to him that the coming of the Lord was at hand and that he would not die without seeing him first. That is a promise to the end time generation, which we are in right now. We believe that we, those who are alive and remain at these days, will indeed see the second coming of the Lord. So we are being directed to study the Holy Prophets. And just in conclusion, I find it incredibly encouraging and fascinating how that uh, in those times what Simeon did was go to the prophet Isaiah and that it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit exactly the times they were living in. He understood by the writings of the prophets. And when he finally came, led by the Spirit, into the temple, he was able to quote and apply the actual scripture that applied to the prophetic event that he was now part of. And that is encouraging to us because as we continue to allow the Spirit of God to mature us and to shape us and to mold us into the image of the dear Lord from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Father's only begotten Son, we are going to have revealed to us uh, the exact scriptures that apply to our time. That's, that's exactly what Daniel was told by the, by the angel Gabriel when he told him that the book would be sealed until the time of the end and that the wise would understand. So we hope we've encouraged you today and strengthened you as we begin this great Thanksgiving week. Again, we remind you we're going to take Thursday and Friday off as we spend time with our families and reflect should anything happen of a, of a, of a, of a, <laughs> of a biblical sort that's obvious, we'll be back on the air nonetheless. But, we want to encourage you that this Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Wednesday we'll have a special Thanksgiving uh, broadcast to get you through Thursday as well. But we want you to enjoy your family, reflect on the things of the Lord as we go every day this week as we wait for the consolation of Israel, for the consolation of the church, and for the return of our King. We love you and we thank you for tuning in today. Be strong in the Lord because he's soon to return. These are exciting prophetic times. Brother Jeremy, Brother Fernando, anything else? Amen. It's been a tremendous study today. And uh, uh, from the moment we began, I could sense his presence. And and really, as you accurately, uh, really getting a sense, and I believe a, fee a feel of not just what our audience, but even us as servants of God, uh, you know, are sensing in this hour. And I think it's a good start. I know it's a good start to this week, and I'm looking forward to glean more as we move forward uh, this week. And uh, we pray you've been blessed and encouraged, as Brother Marty say, said, and we pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue studying the Word of God. May God bless you. May God keep you. And as always, keep looking up.